Welcome to the Life in 20 podcast, where you will learn something from everyone you meet in 20 action-packed minutes. Now, let's get lit with your hosts, Paul, Carson, and McCoy LeBlanc. All right. Stephanie Watmore, welcome to the Life in 20 podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. So, we like to dive right in. Kids, do you know what a quality assurance specialist is for a bank? No. No idea. Man, what do you guys know? Aren't you learning anything in school? Got zero clue. Okay. <laughs> Steph, will you enlighten these two and, and our audience on, on how you got to where you're at, that journey, and, and where you come from? Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, I've always lived in this area, grew up in Bothell, graduated high school, went to one, one quarter of college. So I don't know if you could really say that I went to college. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, uh, after that, <laughs> I got into, my sister actually worked in the mortgage industry and I had just had, we had just had our, our first child uh, at actually a very young age. I was 20, 20 years old when I had my first child and I knew I needed to go back to work. And she was working in the mortgage industry and she got me a job as a data input clerk. And I think at the time, I mean, it was entry level. I needed a job. And really from there, I just kind of kind of went up the, the ladder, I guess you could say. I went from that to the funding department, went from there to processing, did processing for a while, then went on to become an underwriter and then an underwriter manager and then from then, I just kind of took a little turn, went into compliance a little bit, was a project consultant for a little bit. And then for like the last six years, I've been doing quality assurance. And basically what quality assurance is, is it's uh, so if, if you're getting a loan before you as the customer goes and signs those loan documents, I look at the file. I pretty much audit the file just to make sure there's no underwriting errors, there's no processing errors, and there's no saleability issues for the bank before you actually sign that loan and get that mortgage. So I'm basically an auditor, I guess you could say for the bank. Okay. Wow. Okay. So you've been in this industry 20 plus years. So I think I counted, it's like 25 years I've been doing, um, okay. I've only been in this industry. Okay. So you had the quarter of college. We're not discounting this, the quarter of college. <laughs> now I got to ask today, could somebody do the same thing you're doing without a college degree or is it a requirement today it is not a requirement the way that the mortgage industry works or in really any of the positions that i have been in it's all been experience based you know they require so many years of experience so i think more like the higher management levels those may re require an actual education a college education but as far as all the jobs that i have done most of them have not okay did you, what type of jobs did you have, or did you have any in high school, you know, just when you were kind of these guys' age, was there anything that, that prepared you for this line of work at all? Or did you just kind of, as you mentioned, just kind of fall into it based on a, a contact that you had? I think I just kind of fell into it. I mean, I worked at Little Caesars and at Payless. So I don't know that any of those <laughs> would have prepared me for the mortgage industry. So, yeah, I mean, it, and, and it's funny because, I mean, and, and I don't know that, I, I mean, 
that, that it's a career for everybody. But for me, I think being in the mortgage industry worked out really well. I was able to climb the ladder pretty quickly. The reason that we got into our house that we're in now, which we've been in for 18 years now, but was because of what I was making income wise. There's a lot of ups and downs with the mortgage industry. You know, it's funny because I was actually thinking about it and um, I'm not one of those who has been at the same company for 25 years. Fortunately, I went back and looked. I have been a part of five bank closures or mortgage company closures or wow. department closures. So I've been laid off at least five times. Wow. So okay. that, mm. I mean, so like I said, the mortgage industry, it's got their ups and their downs, you know, and right now the mortgage industry, it's kind of a, taking a downward turn with interest rates and the housing market. But that, I mean, it's it's pretty volatile. So, you know, I've spent, I want to say the longest I've spent unemployed was about six months. And it's rough when I want to say the last time, you know, my, my kids were young. Jeff and I, you know, we're, we're still pretty young. We're young parents. And so not having a job for that long is, it's, it's, it's pretty hard. Yeah. So let's touch on that for a second. So, you know, you guys heard the term layoff, right? So... Imagine getting laid off in that industry five times, never more than six months, right? Still been able to get a job. Obviously, Steph's very employable, clearly. I mean, to be able to bounce back that many times and that different that 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 many different companies. Stuck with it. It's what you know, right? You're comfortable with. There must be something there that you you, you truly enjoy. But there's some industries out there that are more prone to this. She mentioned the, you know volatility peaks and valleys you know sometimes some of those positions in there you know when the housing market is hot you know her salary's hot right it can go you know it can go along with that and then when it's not and it drops then you face you face the layoff so and that's like that in, in several industries that are you know that are cyclical in, in in some cases so that's a risk to consider when you're thinking about you know what line of work you're going into i would say no i i completely agree Okay, so I appreciate you walking us through that and being upfront with with the the rust spots in there as well. Kids, what kind of questions do you have? Um, did you ever like being laid off that many times? Did you ever feel like you needed to get a new line of work? Did you feel like you shouldn't be doing what you're doing? Just you know. Well, so to be honest, okay, so most of my layoffs they were pretty short lived, except for the one that was six months, and so I want to say that one was probably seven or eight years into my journey, I guess you could say. And I think at that point, what changing careers at, at that point was a would have been a financial burden for my family, just because there wasn't anything out there where I could make as much as I did in the mortgage industry. And so mm -hmm. I think that's kind of why I stuck with it was because my, my longest stretch was about six months. And I want to say that was really only one time. There were other times where it was a couple months or I transitioned right into another company. So I think that's why I, I stayed where I did was because I, I could not make that, that, that amount of money moving to a, another industry without having to go back to school or take yeah. a huge pay cut. So yeah. that's yeah. kind of where that I makes stayed. Sense. And little Caesars to the mortgage industry crumble, potentially crumble oh, to the mortgage right? industry. It, crumble. Hey, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. McCoy, what questions you got? Okay. So I was going to say for your job, for your field of work, what is your starting salary? Like when you like first started out, 
what was your starting salary compared to what it is like right now, if you know? Uh, so shoot, when I started out, so that was years ago. I mean, I would I would say what it starts out now would probably be between like forty and fifty thousand. I think when I started out, it was probably closer to what when I mean whatever minimum wage was at, at that point. Right. And I have more than you know quadrupled that. So I mean, it's like it you can definitely make a lot of money. And with the mortgage industry, I mean, with any other company, you've got sales and you've got operations sales, especially in the mortgage industry, you've got the potential, especially when the housing market is hot and everybody's refinancing or purchasing homes of making huge commissions. I mean, we've got loan offices that make $200,000, $300,000 a year easy when the market's hot. But then you look at when the, and when the market's not, when you're commission only, you may be, be bringing home $1,500 a month. I mean, so it, there's a huge, it all depends on, I guess, what you want to do you know, and, and what your strengths are. I was never a salesperson. I never liked that, that, that commission base. I liked being salaried and knowing exactly how much I was going to bring home every two weeks, every, you know, twice a month, all that stuff. So that's a great, that's a great yeah. point. I want to touch on that for a second. So talked about the velocity, you know, the volatility in her, in her job. She went through a lot of those different positions settled on something that was stable, that she knew what her income was going to be every couple of weeks, consistency, right? You can have some of these people that are, you know, high flying jobs to grow out and they're, they're buying these, these unnecessary things. Right. And then all of a sudden the market crashes and now you've carried the debt because you've got out, bought some jet skis and a boat and then what? Right. Yeah. So you got to be careful in how, what kind of job you have. And those commission-based salaries can be great when those markets are hot. But when they go, when they go cold and when they dry out, then what do you got? And if you're not a saver, right. And being smart about it, it could, it can come back to bite you. I got tons of stuff for Steph, but any other questions from you guys real quick, go ahead and fire off another round. Well, this one's kind of a doozy. Oh, we like great. doozies. Bring it on. Um, Steph doozy. I have to think a little bit. No, but it's not that bad. What do you think is your biggest regret overall? My biggest regret so honestly, I would say it was not exploring my options when I was in high school. I think I always thought that, you know, I, I really didn't know what, what I wanted to do, what kind of career path I wanted. And I think I was just naive and just thought, hey, if I go to college, something will come up and, and you know, things will just fall in my lap. And I think that looking back and, and, and I don't know what my career path would have been or if it would have been any different. But I didn't take the time to explore my, my parents. You know, I grew up in a, a family of six kids. They didn't have time. You know, they had six kids to worry about. They didn't have time to push me. I didn't self I didn't self motivate myself to actually look at other options and, and look to see what I liked or what I didn't like. So I think that is probably my my biggest regret. Yeah. Yeah. So, Steph, we we talk about here, you know, I'm trying to make things as simple for this generation to understand what that word life means. So we've broken it down into five domains, right? To make this easy, health, your home life, your work life, your finances, and your relationships. And, you know, rating each one of those one to 20. So we have a nice, easy score that everybody knows from a scale of zero to 100. How about you? When you did that exercise, what, what do you, what's your life score? 
So honestly, I did it like seven different times <laughs> and I, because I really wanted to be, I, I love the score of hundred percent, but I know that that's not realistic. Yeah. So I think I landed on between like 80 and 85. Oh, wow. That's excellent. That's some of our highest ratings. So yep. Right yeah. in there. What, what, where's the areas that you believe you could improve on the most or have the most opportunities still to grow? And, and on those five. So to be honest, probably work. And I only say that because I think right now I'm very comfortable with what I'm doing. I think I do my job very well, but I don't necessarily think that I challenge myself to the potential that I could offer a company. So I, I think that's kind of why I, I scored that one the lowest, just because, and, and, and honestly, I'm, well, hopefully I'm not super far away from retirement. So I don't necessarily want to change careers or try something new. I think I'm just comfortable, I guess yeah. you could say. Nothing nothing wrong with that. Been there a long time and put in your work. Other than what you've already told us, we didn't touch on anything else from a compensation standpoint. Are there, is it pension? Is there bonuses, benefits? Um, what else can you tell us besides just uh, you already talked about the kind of the range, but what 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 other benefits associated with this kind of role, this industry? So there is no pension, unfortunately, but mm -hmm. but at every mortgage company I've worked at, there's been a 401k and the employers always match. And I actually look to see at the company I work at right now. So they match 80 percent of what whatever your contribution is. So not bad. They offer medical, although I've never actually taken advantage of medical because my husband's had a great medical program right. looking for the, the job that he does. Bonuses, bonuses are huge in the mortgage industry when the industry's hot, when mm. it's not, it's not, yeah. <laughs> you know, overtime, all that stuff, vacation, obviously sick time. Some companies have PTO. Other companies have the vacation and sick. If I had the, the choice, I would I would want to have PTO at any company yeah. just because I'm one who doesn't call in sick. And I would much rather use all that time to go on vacation yeah. than, you know, have all this sick time that's just sitting, not being used. Right. And then you don't have the pressure of like, you know, Hey, I got a little tickle in my throat and I'm having to call. Right. You know, there's no, there's no pressure to do that. Not that we exactly you know, educate you guys on doing that at all. Well, yeah. yeah. What are the questions guys? Is like right now is retirement in the picture for you or like, do you have a set goal and when you do want to retire or, and what you plan on do after what you plan on doing after retirement? So my goal is really what my husband's goal is, which hopefully that puts me at about age 53. So I'm he said 40. 65. Sorry. No, I don't think he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm 46 right now. So I'm hoping so by 40, 53 to 55 is when I'm hoping awesome. to retire. And my plan is to travel now, whether it be in an RV around the country, travel, you know, around the world. I, I don't know yet. And I think a part of it also depends on what my kids are doing. You know, am I going to have grandchildren? And, and if I do, what age are they going to be? Because I wouldn't want to miss out on all those moments as well. But I'm definitely travel. I'll always have a home here in the Northwest. I don't ever see myself leaving. Not to say I won't have a second home somewhere else, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. So, you know, we've been fortunate enough to have both Jeff and Steph on the pod. 
both being able to get out, at least target goal to get out mid fifties. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a yeah. lot of life you're living in that retirement is where you're not answering to anybody. So think about their life. Now they got started earlier, right? They got started yeah. earlier than everybody else. Four years before I got started. And a lot of people that did go to college get started. So, you know, there's debates. If you're a hard worker, like notice the theme here, right? Hard worker, work ethic, like hungry, moving up in the in their in their roles in their industry, right? Sticking with it. And then if you're consistent, you're saving, you're doing all those things, then you can you can get out early too. Steph, a couple things from me. What do you think you're the greatest teacher of? Greatest teacher. Uh, well, I would say I am the greatest teacher of organization. Um, it, I know this I to be true, that, by the way. I know this very to be true, very much to be true. <laughs> I mean, it, it's funny, but I, I am like, I am a master of lists. I am a master of Excel spreadsheets. I mean, I just, I love to be organized and I try and teach my, my kids to be organized. I just... I live by it. And I don't know if part of that's because if I'm not organized, I'm going to forget everything. But I've just, I mean, I just, I love organization. Yeah. I'm right with you. I cannot have an unorganized life. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, I think you've gone to the school of step. I mean, I love love having routines and just like sticking to the, like, yeah. If I, my routine is not right, then I just, I'm like not good all day. Right. No. And I, well, and it's funny because my, my daughter's in college and I tell her, I'm like, write a schedule, write this. And she is, she's obviously taken after me. She color codes all of her schedules, all of her assignments. <gasps> she makes me so proud. <laughs> that's so well, and, and I think that's, you know, unless you correct me here, I think that kind of feeds into one of your superpowers. I think your organization could be a superpower unless you've got something else you'd like to share with us. You know, that one was a really hard one. I don't think I have any superpowers. That's I actually said d- dependability because I feel like I'm a very dependable person. But I mean, I, I guess you could say organization. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm not sure I like the word superpower, but whatever. <laughs> well, you know, we've got the benefit of knowing you. I think dependable, organized. I think those are all things that you're great teachers of and, and also superpowers for you because you do a great job. Certainly make it fun to be around. That's for sure. Um, we've got a minute and a half to to left in the pod. Kids, final questions for Steph. I don't think I have. You're good. I think I'm good. Oh, I'm yeah, nothing. Um, <laughs> Steph, here comes Paul. <laughs> right at you. Who did who did you look to? Who was the biggest influence in your life? So everything that you put together now here at 46, along that journey, who was the biggest influence? Who influenced you the most in a positive way that that got you to where you're at? You think? So I don't know that he got me to where I'm at, but I think my dad was probably the biggest influence and for a couple of reasons. So first of all, he was the show, you know, he was a great teacher of hard work. I mean, that man worked harder than I have ever seen anybody work in my entire life. And he is also the most selfless man I've ever met. He would literally give his right arm to you just because you asked for it. And he, and if he thought that you needed it more than he did. He's just a huge giver. He, you know, and unfortunately right now he's um, physically, he can't really walk anymore. So, I mean, it, it's hard to see somebody who's worked so hard, struggle so much right now. But yeah, I mean, he definitely, if, if I had to pick one person as far as influence, just in life in general, I think it would be him. What's his name? 
Robert Gardner. Robert. Shout out to Robert. Robert, um, Bob, a good job. You, know. you raised a good one, Robert. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I think that's a great way to, to end this. I see the clock at zero. Steph, can't thank you enough, you know, having you on and appreciate you, you taking us through your journey. We always like to leave with if anybody, if you got something to plug or, you know, a place for people to find you, you can drop it here. Otherwise, we'll just say goodbye. All right. I, I don't really have any of that. So we'll just say goodbye. Thank, thank you for having me. Yeah, it was great. Appreciate it, Steph. See you. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you.